Blinken warns Sudan's rivals as U.S. diplomatic convoy comes under fire. Julian Borger Secretary of State condemns apparent attack by fighters linked to paramilitary RSF after days of deadly clashes. Explainer, why is there fighting in Sudan? A U.S. diplomatic convoy came under fire in Sudan in an apparent attack by fighters associated with Sudan's paramilitary rapid support forces, the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, has said, in an incident he described as reckless and irresponsible. The incident on Monday prompted a direct warning from Blinken, who separately telephoned the RSF leader Gen Mohamed Hamdan Dagalo, known as Hamedi, and Sudan's army chief, Gen Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, to tell them any danger posed to American diplomats was unacceptable. Blinken said the convoy that came under fire was flying U.S. flags, and all in the convoy were safe. We have deep concerns about the overall security environment, he said at a press conference in Japan where he attended a G7 meeting of foreign ministers. Fighting erupted on Saturday between army units loyal to Burin, the head of Sudan's Transitional Governing Sovereign Council, and Hamedi, the deputy head of the council. The UN envoy to Sudan says at least 185 people have been killed and more than 1,800 wounded. Many more bodies lay uncollected in the streets. A U.S. State Department official said Blinken had expressed grave concern over civilian deaths in his calls with the rival leaders and urged them to agree to a ceasefire. Both had a responsibility to ensure the safety and well-being of civilians, diplomatic personnel, and humanitarian workers, the official said. Hemeti said he had discussed pressing issues with Blinken during their call and further talks were planned. We will have another call to continuing dialogue and working hand-in-hand to forge a brighter future for our nations," tweeted Hemeti, whose whereabouts have not been disclosed since the fighting began. Sudan's rival factions both claimed to have made gains on Monday as violence cut power and water in the capital. Volker Pertas, the UN envoy to Sudan, said the two sides showed no signs of being willing to negotiate. The power struggle has derailed a shift to civilian rule and raised fears of a wider conflict. Clashes in Khartoum have centered on key sites such as the International Airport, Presidential Palace and the Army Headquarters. In comments to Sky News, Burin said he was secure in a presidential guesthouse within the Defense Ministry compound. Omdurman Khartoum North Kodar Bridge Blue Nile River Presidential Palace Ministry of Energy and Mining Ministry of Defense Building Khartoum Khartoum Railway Authority Several government buildings have sustained heavy damage. Heavy fighting reported in battle for control of Khartoum International Airport Sudan Darfur 2 kilometers. 2 miles. Guardian graphic. Josep Borrell, the EU foreign policy chief, said the EU ambassador in Khartoum had been assaulted at his residency. Borrell did not say if the ambassador, the Irish diplomat Aidan O'Hara, had been badly injured, but called the attack a gross violation of the Vienna Convention, which is supposed to guarantee the protection of diplomatic premises. The U.S. National Security Council spokesperson, John Kirby, said the U.S. was not, for the time being, planning an evacuation from the country.
Buren raised the stakes in the violence still further on Monday, ordering the dissolution of the RSF, which he called a rebellious group. For his part, Himeti called Buren a radical Islamist who is bombing civilians from the air. Military jets flew low over the capital through much of Monday as repeated bouts of firing and shelling continued there and in Omdurman, Khartoum's sister city across the Nile. Witnesses have reported dozens of bodies in one central neighborhood of the capital and hundreds of students remained trapped in schools by the fighting. Smoke rises from burning aircraft in Khartoum airport during clashes between the paramilitary RSF and the army. Hospitals have been particularly affected, with essential supplies badly disrupted by the fighting. Hundreds of patients have been evacuated, while medical staff attempt to move others from intensive care or dialysis units to places of safety. We had to move them to the isolation centers along with 70 doctors and nurses, all have been trapped here with no oxygen for the chest patients and that's really dangerous. The oxygen we have is from the time of the pandemic and it's limited, one nurse said. Aid workers in remote parts of Sudan also reported tensions or violence. One based in on the eastern border with Ethiopia described the regular army overwhelming a small RSF contingent and seizing their base amid sporadic shooting. Officials also reported fighting in the east, including the provinces of Kassala and El Gadaraf. The conflict threatens to plunge one of Africa's biggest and most strategically important countries into chaos. Analysts say only pressure from heavyweight intermediaries will have a chance of ending the fighting. Heavy fighting has been reported across Sudan, Saudi Arabia, Sudan, Chad, North, Darfur, Omdurman, Jebel Alia, Kabkabia, Al Fasher, El Ginaina, El Abade, Zalingiai, Nyala, Adamazin, South Sudan, Ethiopia, 300 kilometers, 300 miles. Guardian graphic. Source, Ocha and Guardian reporting. In a speech broadcast by Egyptian state television late on Monday, President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi said he was in regular contact with the army and RSF to encourage them to accept a ceasefire and spare the blood of the Sudanese people. The African Union's top council has called for an immediate ceasefire without conditions, while other Arab states with stakes in Sudan, Qatar, Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates made similar appeals. Reuters contributed to this report. I hope you appreciated this article. Before you move on, I was hoping you would consider taking the step of supporting The Guardian's journalism. From Elon Musk to Rupert Murdoch, a small number of billionaire owners have a powerful hold on so much of the information that reaches the public about what's happening in the world. The Guardian is different. We have no billionaire owner or shareholders to consider. Our journalism is produced to serve the public interest, not profit motives. And we avoid the trap that befalls much U.S. media, the tendency, born of a desire to please all sides, to engage in false equivalents in the name of neutrality. While fairness guides everything we do, we know there is a right and a wrong position in the fight against racism and for reproductive justice. When we report on issues like the climate crisis, we're not afraid to name who is responsible. 
and as a global news organization, we're able to provide a fresh, outsider perspective on U.S. politics, one so often missing from the insular American media bubble. Around the world, readers can access The Guardian's paywall-free journalism because of our unique reader-supported model. That's because of people like you. Our readers keep us independent, beholden to no outside influence and accessible to everyone, whether they can afford to pay for news or not. If you can, please consider supporting The Guardian today. Thank you.